0: Welcome back to the Gospel Baptist Church podcast where we focus on the Bible and God's plan for our lives. Though this day in history is filled with pain and confusion, the Bible offers the hope and instruction we all need. So let's dive into today's message and hear how God's Word has the answers for today. One of the things I'm very intrigued about is the last words of the dying. What do people say when they're about to leave this earth? That intrigues me, because it tells me a lot about those people. And the Lord had only a few hours left to live on earth. Wow, sorry about that. I'm going do that again. Okay. These things will last forever. But anyway, I think we're okay. It's not, it's this. I think it's this. Sorry. I think we're okay. Okay, so the Lord had only a few hours left to live on Earth, and so what he was going to say was going to be, or what he was going to do, his last few words, his last action, were going to be very, very important. Anyway, going back to the last words of people, um, Karl Marx said this. He'd be intrigued to say he's to, to hear what he had to say. He said to his maid, "Go on, get out. Last words are for fools who haven't said enough." Whoa! I wonder who was the fool. Cesare Borgia, an Italian politician, said, I've taken care of everything in life, only not for death. And now I have to die completely unprepared. Last words. Niccolo Machiavelli, you probably read about Machiavelli in your history books, but he was a Renaissance uh, uh, diplomat, philosopher, and writer, and said this, I desire to go to hell and not to heaven. In the former place, I shall enjoy the company of popes, kings, and princes. While in the latter are only beggars, monks, hermits, and apostles. Wow, <laughs> that's interesting. Henry VIII, last words, thank you. Last words of Henry VIII, all is lost. Wow. Elizabeth I, all my possessions for a moment of time. The philosopher Thomas Hobbes said this I'm about to take my last voyage, a great leap into the dark. Cardinal Mazarin is interesting to some religious uh, uh, leaders in here. Oh, my poor soul, the cardinal said, what has become of thee? Whither wilt thou go? A bit late to wonder about that as a cardinal. I thought that was really interesting. A French clergyman and a diplomat to the king said, I am suffering the pangs of the damned. Wow. Mm -hmm. Clergyman saying, I'm about to go to hell. Wow. Wow. Bob Marley, I think we've heard of Bob Marley, the reggae man not that I hope you you don't listen to his music, but anyway, you've probably heard of him. Barb Barney said, money can't buy life. George Best, we've all heard of George Best, great footballer, unfortunately too fond of the alcohol, but he said this, don't die like I did. Wow. Then there were those who prepared themselves and seemed to leave this world in victory. You'd be very, I found some of these things really interesting. Christopher Columbus, his last words were, into your hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. Reformer Robert Barnes said, I trust in no good works that I ever did, but only in the death of Christ. That's a blessing. John Bunyan, take me, for I come to thee. Alexander II, he was, um, he, he was the um, emperor of Russia. Emperor of Russia. Let me say it again. Emperor of Russia. This is cool. This is what he said. I am sweeping through the gates, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Wow, isn't that powerful? Beautiful. D. L. Moody. I love this. I see earth receding. Heaven is opening. God is calling me. Wow. And finally, the words of Thomas Edison. It's beautiful over there. It's beautiful over there. I believe the last words of people are very important because they often tell a lot about them. They often declare what's important to those who ordered them this morning. We're not going to speak about the last words of Jesus, but we will speak about his last teaching. The title of today's message, again, is Our Lord's Last Lesson on Humility. We're in John chapter 13. We're going to read the first 15 verses, so bear with me as we read through the Scriptures. John chapter 13, verse 1 to 15. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, "...that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end." Verse, verse 2, of chapter 13 of John. "...and supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, verse 4, "...he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself." After that he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Then Simon Peter, quick, come back here. I think it was a bit of Irish, Irish extraction in him. Peter, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He that is washed needeth not save to, him to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. Of course, it's talking about Judas Iscariot is there. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and sat down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? ye call me Master and Lord. And ye say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your word this morning. I pray you'd bless it now. Oh, Spirit of God, help us. We need your help. Open our eyes to the scriptures. You are the spirit of truth and the spirit of wisdom. You're also the spirit of Christ. Help us, Lord. Help us to understand your word and help us to apply it to our lives. Please open up our hearts to you. Fill us with your precious Holy Spirit. If we have sinned, if we are unprepared for the word of God, cleanse us, God. Please meet with us this morning by your grace. Prepare our hearts. Help our hearts. Open our hearts. Make us ready to hear from God. Remove all distractions. And I pray you get a lot of glory this morning, Lord Jesus. You are worthy of it all. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. First thing I want to share with you, number one, Christ's humility was displayed. Christ's humility was displayed. And going back to verse 4, and it says here, He riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After he poured water into a basin, and began to wash his disciples' feet, and to wipe them with a towel, wherewith he was girded. Jesus displayed... Humility by doing a menial task. This was a menial task. Our Lord's humility began, of course, when he left heaven's glory and was born upon earth. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, speaks of our Saviour, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because Jesus is God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That is humility. But this is difficult for us to grasp. Because we can't grasp the idea of Jesus being God, living in heaven and coming down to earth and seeing that as humility, it's hard to understand because it's beyond our comprehension, isn't it? So he gave his disciples an object lesson so they could grasp humility. To put on, take off, or carry the shoes of their masters was among the Jews and Greeks and Romans the work of the vilest of slaves. So, Jesus took on him the form of a servant. And he acted like the most menial person. Did the most menial task. I'm not menial person is, 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 is the right phrase there, but you get the point. He, he, he did the most menial task. He humbled himself greatly before his disciples. So much so that his disciples questioned what he was doing. Jesus assumed the position, as he talked, of the lowest place performing a humbling task that requires no skill or training. You don't go to college to carry people's shoes. You don't go and get a degree in washing feet. It requires no training. Any child can do it, any servant can do it. You don't have to speak the language of the people. You don't have to know any language. Just do it. But no one wants to do that type of thing because it was embarrassing Oh, you're the foot washer. Oh, oh, oh. What do you do for living? I wash your feet. Oh, oh, oh. He took off the sandals of all his disciples and began to wash the dirt off their feet. I sort of thought I'd do that this morning. I tell people who not be embarrassed in case you got your holy socks off for Sunday. You know, you may not appreciate you washing your feet, but I sort of felt like you didn't see how the response would be. But by his actions before his disciples... Jesus couldn't have humbled himself more. He wanted them to understand that he took on him the form of a servant. Jesus took on him the form of a servant. And this humility would preempt the greatest humiliation possible. Think about this. Look at verse 4 again. He riseth... From supper. We're in John chapter 13. John chapter 13, looking a bit at verse 4. He riseth from supper. Just as he rose from supper, he rose up from the throne of heaven. And look at the second verse, part of verse 4. John 13, verse 4 again. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments. Just as he laid aside his garments, he laid aside his glory and his honor. He laid aside his central position in heaven. He laid aside his majesty and his praise and his rights, his privileges and all the freedoms he had as almighty God. He restricted himself to the confines of a human body. Yet he humbled himself even more. He was born into an impoverished home. And if that wasn't enough, he humbled himself and took on an impoverished life. And if that wasn't enough, he continued to take on himself the form of a servant. Look at verse 4. He took a towel and girded himself. Verse 5. After he poured water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. He humbled himself. It wasn't beneath him. Some people think as they rise to leadership, certain things are, not, are beneath them. There's nothing beneath anyone, if you're a Christian and you love Jesus Christ. Right. You should be willing to do absolutely anything. It's an honor to wash the toilets for the Lord, amen? Right. It's an honor to clean the building. It's an honor to change nappies for the Lord. It's an honor to wash those floors. It's an honor to cut those trees. That was fun, I enjoyed that. When we were right there cutting the trees out there, I, I do enjoy a bit of hard work. It's fun, you know, because I don't do a lot of hard work. You know, my, my line of work is a lot of desk work and talking to people and all that. But I enjoyed it. that, I enjoy getting that head strip a, going across, and I cut through the wire. So I had to go across, and the guy across, way. I said, you have a small head screwdriver, and I was able to fix the wire, get the thing going again. It was fun. And he took out his machine, and he was cutting the big branches across, and we had fun. I got covered in dirt, covered in dirt, called the guy from the skip. Said, you know what? Um, I don't want to get dirty again like this. I'm giving today to, I need another skip. The skip is finished, it's full. Can you get, the, get get another skip dropped? He says, I may not be able to get to tomorrow. I said, well, you have to get someone else to do the work because I, I'm covered in muck, you know? So the skip came the next day and nobody came and cleaned up. The mess remained for a week, we decided, look, you know what, we stuff the attic we need to get rid of. I'll give it one more day. Try not to get mucky, it took us an hour. We put the stuff in the skip, and guess what? All over me, all over again. <laughs> we don't always like getting dirty. See, when you're doing it for the Lord, it's fun, isn't it? Serving Christ is fun. It's good to see the ladies out there working with the plants. They did a great job. They're dressed in their nice clothes and they seem to keep them nice. I don't know how they did that. I'm very messy. I'm very messy. Man. Anyway, we won't go to last. But our Lord greatly humbled himself doing menial tasks. And this great personal humbling of our Savior paved the way for the greatest humiliation possible. He gave himself completely into the hands of wicked men. The religious leaders of the day were wicked. They were evil. They knew he was the Messiah. And they outrightly rejected him. We have no king but Caesar. They knew he was going to rise again after the dead. And they had Roman soldiers posted outside the tomb. Trying to stop God raising from the dead. Right? That's not going to happen. They were wicked. They were glad. As they spat on his face. And they threw all sorts of insults at them. And had him beaten and whipped and scorned. And he was marred. He was tortured. He was murdered. And guess what? Jesus didn't fight them. We fight it. Because we go start telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ and somebody says something we don't like and we're offended. Okay, I'm not doing that again. What do our Bible say? Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That's what Psalm 119, says. Why do we get offended when people say, I don't like the way you just told me that I'm going to hell? I mean, of course, you don't walk up to someone and say, oh, by the way, you're going to hell. You don't do that. But you know, you get the point. When you try to share the gospel with people, you're trying to share with them that they they need to be saved, and the reason why they're saved, is we've all gone the wrong way. We're all lost, and we've all sinned against God. We've all broken God's laws because God, we've broken God's laws. We can't get into heaven, and God has created hell for the devil and his angels. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He wants to save us. And people get offended by that message sometimes. And you may not even have the opportunity to share that message. You may just say, I'm a Christian, and they may look at you funny, or call you names. And sometimes it puts us off. We're doing leaflets on Saturday, we're praying. It was yesterday, please, Lord, don't let it rain. It was God's will for it to rain. But you know what? We still got the estates done, Amen. Came, we we're a bit dripping wet, but we got the estates done. But you know, the Apostle Paul was beaten for sharing the gospel. We're beaten by a bit of rain. That's not going to put us off. And if he can take the blows from people's fists and keep preaching the gospel, we can get a bit of rain on our head and still preach the gospel. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. We can do it. We can hear it. But our Savior, what he went through, brother. He submitted to it all. He said, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. His attitude of humility began when he left heaven. And he clearly wanted to leave his disciples with an object lesson of humility. So he stooped to wash their feet. Christ's humility was displayed. But secondly, I want to share with you, Christ's humility was rejected. Look at verse 6. We're back in John chapter 13, looking at verse 6. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said, what th- I do, thou knowest not, but thou shalt not hereafter. Peter said, Thou shalt never wash my feet. No, Lord. He never ever said no to that? I think, I think we all have. Lord, don't... No, I'm not that one, Lord. Don't convict me about that. Don't want to do that, Lord. You know, Peter had a strong personality. Do you ever notice that when you read your Bible? Anybody out there with a strong personality? Let's move on real quick. He was really opinionated. He was unbendable. Paul Peter, it was all or nothing. When he was right, he really got it right. But when he was wrong... He really got it wrong. Like by the time he took our Lord to task, I'm amazed that he was, had the gall to do this. But that was Peter. Jesus told his disciples that he must go to the cross. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Rebuking Jesus! I mean, hello? <laughs> Peter? Do you know who you're talking to? Did he never stop and think, what am I doing here? Why did, why did I just do that? It's like, he jumped in with two feet, right? Could you not think he was out of line by rebuking the creator, God? It didn't occur to Peter, right is right, wrong is wrong, and it's wrong for Jesus to go to the cross. End of story. Any other questions? How's was Peter. We also see when Jesus told all the disciples that they would be offended because of him that very night, because of the cross, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet shall I never be offended. Peter liked that never word. Never. Never. I'll never be offended. Because Peter was so opinionated and thick skulled <laughs> I think we can relate to that at times, gay. Okay? He was one of those people who had to learn the hard way. And some of us are like that. When we have our mind made up, we will not be swayed by words. And if we're like that, where we won't be swayed by other people's words, we have to learn the hard way. You with me here this morning? That was Peter. Peter had a strong personality. And he strongly objected to Christ's humility. Look at verse 8. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. There he was again. Never word. Never, Lord. You're never going to wash my feet. No no doubt he considered Christ's humbling as necessary, as unnecessary, should I say, and beneath him. Lord, what are you doing? Why are you humbling yourself like that? That's completely unnecessary. I mean... It's like being in a hotel, you know those rich people that go to hotels and they snap their fingers? You ever tried to do that? Might get kicked out of Joel's or whatever. <laughs> yeah, what do you want? <laughs> That's not going to work. But those rich people that go to those rich hotels, they can snap their fingers. And then are Wait. That'd be fun to do, wouldn't it? I've never experienced that before, I know many of you have. <laughs> I've never it. It'd be interesting to watch at least. And he thought, you know, Peter Peter thought Christ could just do that, just snap his fingers and have somebody else do it. And on one hand, Peter can be commended to wanting to honor Jesus, because he should have been honoring Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Peter, only a few days beforehand, had said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're God in the flesh. So on one hand, Peter can be commended. But on the other hand, Peter just didn't understand the way of the Lord. Psalm 25 verse 4, show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Psalm 27 11, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path. Psalm 86 11, teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth. God has a way, he does things. You know, sometimes we can read the Bible every single day and never learn the way of the Lord. I read in Psalm 119, I will run in the way of thy commandments when thou, shalt, when thou hast enlarged my heart. God has a way. It's not just, the Bible isn't not just this rule book, oh, you belong to that church, you can't do this, can't do this. No. No, I'm a Christian. And because I'm a Christian, there's things I do and there's things I don't do. There is the way of the Christian. In fact, the Bible tells us in the beginning, in the New Testament, they were called the people of the way. And so, I'm sorry, this is. We're going to have to replace these things. Sorry about that. Um, hopefully, it'll hang in there. I'm trying to, no, it's not the battery, it's, it's the headset. It's the headset. It must have got damaged, but it's fine. I have another shot. Apologies there, folks. There's a way. There's a way of Christianity. There's a way where to behave. There's a way where to live. And it's just that, it's not down to laws. If you go by the scriptures and just go by laws in the Bible, you're a legalist. God isn't called to be legalists. God has called us to have a way about us as Christians as we follow the scriptures. Do you understand what I'm saying? there's a way and the disciples the Lord has spent all this time around his disciples and they're still not laying hold of the way what were they doing on the way down from, from Galilee all the way down to Jerusalem when the Lord was making his final ascent down to Jerusalem when he was going to go to a cross they were fighting over who's going to be the greatest in heaven what? and Jesus is telling them I'm going to go to a cross they're going to die no 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 so just... who's going to be left who's going to be on his right they're missing the way Peter was stuck in the transition between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Christ was trying to teach him the way. Although he had spent much time with Jesus, he had never learned how to pray. Neither had he entered into the very presence of God, into the Holy of Holies. The veil had not yet been taken away. He was Old Testament in his thinking. Although he'd seen Christ transfigured before him only a few days beforehand, it was beyond him. It overwhelmed him. He didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do when he experienced it. So again, he put his foot in his mouth. Remember, we we read about that. It was not until the Holy Spirit was sent from heaven that Peter and the rest of the disciples would start to learn about the way of the Lord. Psalm 77, verse 13, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. If you want to know the way of the Lord, get your Bible and enter the very presence of God. You'll find the way of the Lord. You need to read your Bible not just to get a thought for the day, not to get some blessing for the day. You need to read your Bible to meet with God. You need to read your Bible so you can enter into the very holy presence of Almighty God. You need to read your Bible so you can get away from the world and get into the presence of the Almighty and say, God, teach me your way. Because God has a way, doesn't He? A way that He wants us to live the way of the Lord. When the Holy Spirit came, the disciples learned to walk closely with Him. And Peter learned why the Lord did those self-abasing things. Lord, what are you doing? We should be serving you. Why are you serving us? That's backwards, right? A lot of things about Christianity that are backwards in our thinking. But maybe our thinking is backwards and the Bible is forwards. Are you with me here? For verse 7, the Lord answered in verse 7 of John chapter 13. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now. You, you don't know, you're not going to get it now. But thou shall know hereafter you're going to remember this, and you're going to get it later. See, God, Jesus Christ, gave the, the disciples an object lesson that they would remember. See, this fish washing exercise was to demonstrate the way of the Lord, which is humility. Humility. Christ's humility was, was displayed, his humility was rejected, but let me finally say this: Christ's humility is expected. He wants us to learn his way. Look at verse 8 here. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. He gave Peter an ultimatum. If I don't wash your feet, we're done, Peter. Woo! That's pretty strong, isn't it? I'm sure what Jesus said scared Peter half to death. Maybe he thought he was going to lose his salvation. I mean, seriously. It certainly brought him to his senses and jarred him into being willing to listen. Sometimes God does that in our lives, doesn't he? We're going along our merry old way doing what we want to do and God does something that shakes us to the core. You ever experienced that before? God does that on purpose because he loves us so much. He needs to get our attention. So he got Peter's attention. Some commentators believe that the washing of the feet was some symbolic of the salvation that Jesus would win for them on the cross. I don't believe that. Our Lord indicated that their feet were already washed as we read through the text. We're going to read it in a little bit. Paul said in First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine to eleven: "Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, be not deceived but ye are washed; you're washed already. You're washed. Your sins are washed away. This foot washing thing had nothing to do with salvation. You're washed. The day you got saved, you got washed in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Isn't that what happened? You get washed." When your sins washed away, did God purge your your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That's what happened when you got saved. Revelation 1.5 calls Jesus Christ the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, that loved us and washed us from our sins in His blood. There's only one thing that will ever wash away sins, it's the blood of Jesus. Washing feet will not wash away sin. Going through the waters of baptism will not wash away sin. Only the blood of Jesus washes away sin. I'm glad about that. All disciples who received Jesus as Messiah, who looked to Him alone for redemption, were washed. Look at verse ten. Look at verse ten. Jesus said unto him, "He that is washed needed not save to wash his to wash his feet." We'll talk about that in a second. But is clean every which, and ye are clean, but not all. So Jesus said, "If, if he that is washed needs not save only to wash his feet, if you're already washed, all you need is your feet washed." Jesus is saying to his disciples, you're already washed. You're already clean. You believe on the Messiah. You're already forgiven. You're already saved. But don't stop there. So many of God's people stop there. I'm saying, praise God I'm saved. Praise God I got baptized. Praise God I joined a church. Now I'm getting get on my life. No. No. God saved you for a purpose. God saved you to walk in the way. God saved you to teach you His way. God saved you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. God saved you to teach you about His humility. Amen. That's why you got saved. Oh, brethren, if all it is to have our, our souls saved from the flames of hell, that's not, that's weak, brethren. I, I'm not trying to be uncareful about the, how wonderful it is to be saved from hell. There's a whole lot more to salvation Whole more. Commentator Warren Wiersbe points out that the washed here in verse 10, where Jesus said, he that is washed, refers to the whole body. You're already washed. But then, when, this is, when, he, when he says that he wanted to wash his, his feet in, in verse 8, or in, in other verses, that's partial washing. No, you've already been completely cleansed from your sins. You don't need any sins cleansed anymore if Jesus has died for you on the cross you believe that that's, that's done deal but there's another washing you need, and without this washing you have no part with Christ which is very powerful that's what Jesus said he said if I wash you not to Peter he said you have no part with me wow he's not saying you're going to lose your salvation you haven't he said, you no part with him. In other words, you can't be part of his mission, part of his program, part of his plan, part of what God's doing. Imagine going through this life and being excluded from the great work of God in this world. That's tragic. You know, we're in a war good against evil. Satan against God. We're in a war. But if you're a Christian, you're on the winning side. It's over. The war is over. When Jesus died on the cross, he broke the power of hell. He broke the power of sin. He broke the power of death. And if you're saved, you're on the winning side. But imagine being on the winning side and standing for the God and you never took part in the action. I think it'd be a bit of shame there, wouldn't you? I think it'd be a bit of shame there. So Peter said, I'm in. (laughs) I'm in. Look at verse 9. Look at John chapter 13, verse (laughs) 9. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only. (laughs) I want my hands washed, want my head washed. Just do it all, Lord. Peter was so zealous. He wanted everything that was going. What's going on in church on Sunday? I'm in. What's going on in church on Sunday evening? I'm in. What's going on? Oh, you got a young adult. Can I go? You know, what's going on in Wednesday night? I'm in. What's going on? Oh, you have a work day? I'm in. We're going to put down the hedges. Let's do it. Oh, you're going to do the plants. Oh, yeah, let's do it. I'm in. He was zealous. It's so easy for us to criticize Peter, who kept putting his feet into his mouth. But you know, it's so refreshing to come across believers who are zealous for Christ. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Give me those people that keep putting their feet in the mouth. Because he's not sitting on the sidelines giving advice to everybody and doing nothing himself, right? Amen? Mm-hmm. That's a blessing. He's getting involved. He's participating. He's not a spectator, he's a participator. I like that. One man said, I'd rather burn out than rust out. Brethren, I'm just being honest, I'm afraid there's far too many rusty Christians. I think they need to get cleaned up a little bit i think they need to get their feet washed Are you with me here they need to get the rust washed off the old feet because they haven't gone forward in years peter was certainly never going to be one of those things if partial washing was required he wanted it all not just his feet but his hands and his head and jesus said you know washing the feet that's all you need just your feet that's good enough So the Lord modeled the attitude he expected of the disciples. Look at verse 12. We're going to just quickly look at this as we finish. So after he'd washed their feet and had taken his garments and sat down again, and he said unto them, Know ye what I've done to you? And they're like, no, I don't get this. They didn't get it. Ye call me master and Lord. Ye say, say, well, for so I am. If I then have your Lord and master have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. The Lord modeled the attitude he expected. He's saying, "Okay, now you're saved, you're washed, you're clean, but not all. Judas is scared. You so much is scared. We get that. You're all—all all eleven of you—are saved and forgiven. What do I expect from you? It wasn't about the feet. It wasn't about the washing." It was about the act of humility, stooping down and serving one another. Mark 10, verse 45 tells us, The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. That's exactly what Jesus came into this world, to serve. And the disciples, they somehow missed that very important point. They were thinking, let's make our way up to the top. When we get to the top, then people can serve us. Oh, we'll serve while we're at the bottom. But well, we want to climb up that ladder of success, and we'll sit on our seats of judgment with the Lord and our thrones with the Lord, and we'll have all the little guys serve us. Isn't that great? And the Lord is like, No, it's not great. That's not what I'm looking for from you for. That's not what I'm looking for from you. See. He was taking care of them, he was serving their needs, and he, they were missing the point. And they were missing the point that these disciples were always on the receiving end, with the hands out, with this welfare mentality. What can you do for me? What can you do for me? But when Christ did that menial act of service by washing their feet, he jarred them into reality. Jesus. Had come to serve others, but he was gonna leave the earth. He was hours away from being taken and being arrested and then crucified within 24 hour period. But he's gonna leave the earth. And he'd appointed twelve. Minus Judas and down to eleven. And they were going to continue the work that he started. But what were they gonna do? Expect all the little guys to serve them? be the kings of their castles. I'm the man of God. Serve the man of God. Go around in the polk meal? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not the disciples of Jesus. He said, no. We're here to wash people's feet. Not just on special days of the year to symbolize it. Every day of the year. Washing People's Feet serving people. And the only way you can serve people is with the greatest of humility. And although he might have rejected this object lesson at first, Peter soon grasped what Jesus was teaching him. And so did the rest of the disciples. And for many centuries, for many centuries faithful disciples of Jesus Christ continued after the example of our Lord to wash one another's feet. Now, although we may not literally wash one of feet in 2021, and maybe you might object if I try to institute it. I hate my feet being touched, <laughs> just to let you know. My wife loves foot, foot roll when I rub her feet. She just loves that. She touches my feet, I shout, I scream like a girl. I hate it. I hate Leave my feet alone. They're so sensible. So I don't want my feet washed. Amen. <laughs> I do wash them at least once a month, but you know, that doesn't joke. But the point is, yes, I don't want my feet washed. But instead of washing feet, can we learn the lesson of humility? Humbly serving each other in this church. We're required to follow Jesus' example. That's what the Bible says. Verse 15 for I have given you an example that ye should do as I've done unto you. God wants us to follow this example. And we have many who love to serve. And then there are others like Peter. And they struggle. And they're like, I'm here, serve me. What do I get out of this? Instead, they have their hands out rather than being ready to give, they want to receive. They, may, they might let others do the work or do the contributing. They might be happy for others to sacrifice and do the cleaning or help on work days or participate in special events. Let them do it. And dear brother, dear sister, I don't know where you're at, but I know this. That's not the way of our word. As Paul put it this way, we have not so learned Christ. It's not what we're supposed to be doing. It's not what he's taught us. It's not what he's taught us. Peter had to learn that genuine disciples of Jesus Christ are servants. And if we're going to be the genuine disciples of Jesus Christ ourselves, we've got to take on the reputation of a servant. As followers of Jesus, let's do it. Let's humbly wash one another's feet. Because... Then and only then will we learn the ways of the Savior. And that washing can take on different forms. But you know what? I know about servants. They volunteer. They volunteer. And servants say, what can I do? What can I do to contribute? What can I do to do my part? What am I doing to make this happen? What am I doing to bless the kingdom of God? What am I doing to further the work of God? And maybe you're doing a lot, but does God want you to do more? What does God want you to do? Is he not worth it? Let's... Let us, for his sake, follow his example. Let's go to prayer. prayer. Can we do that? Thank you for listening to today's message on the Gospel Baptist Church podcast. To view this and similar messages as a video or for more information about Gospel Baptist Church, head over to lucanchurch.com. That's lucanchurch.com. Thank you again and God bless.